You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Duncan, out of Gelsenkirchen, Germany. And I'm Michael Edwards, out of Denver, Colorado. And we thrive on the support of our listeners, so please check out sunriserobot.net slash support to see some ways you can help us out. For episode 19, as always, we're going to start with just a little bit of, yeah, title follow-up or just our title report in general. Yeah. So you found this article on The Verge. Yeah, everyone's kind of writing their like obituaries or they're their, like, he's struggling <laughs> on his deathbed kind of giant articles. And uh, so this is The Verge's version. And uh, every once in a while, The Verge does one of these articles where they just like design the hell out of it and have like all these animations and things that pop up and pull quotes like crazy. And uh, yep, this is titles. And, uh, you know, it, the... the the headline of it is like that title's like dying, but um, it actually is kind of trying to give them a chance to say, hey, we're just started that like all these others, like Spotify had years before they reached where they are now. They weren't like weeks after launch yeah. having 30 million listeners or something. That is a fair point. It's just that the whole theatrics around it just make it so fun to bash them. Yeah. That's the whole just like public momentum thing you have to master of like, instead of being the underdog, they were like this arrogant little bastard and everyone's like, I yeah. want to see that guy trip. <laughs> the Cartman of the music industry, uh, music streaming industry. And if it was just all in the tone, like um, just seeing a bunch of rich musicians saying, yeah, we're important instead of like they, it sort of didn't sell the story I think they wanted to sell, which was all those big wig Silicon Valley people shouldn't own music. Um, I don't know. Like they, it wasn't, it didn't feel like a people centered thing. It still felt like some yeah. rich people yelling about how they're going to make life better for everyone. And, uh, while, while reading this article, there was a photo somewhere in the middle, uh, during a Jay Z concert. And this doesn't really have to do with title, but I just noticed that literally everyone in this photo has his phone up in the air, either taking a photo or recording. I don't know, maybe Snapchatting the whole concert, <laughs> but everyone in this picture, we're going to, we're going to link to the article anyway. So halfway through, you will find this. <laughs> and though on the right, there's one guy who isn't holding a phone, but he's framing his hands as if he's like framing a shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. It's he's probably not, but and and then something we we didn't we weren't sure about, but title was actually formally called WIMP, W I M P. The I is uh lowercase. Of course. That's important. And what did WIMP stand for? Anything important? Uh, let me find out. Googling it. Live Googling. Oh, uh, they actually have a German website saying WIMP is going to be title from now on. Wow. Okay, I've never seen this website before. I didn't. Re I honestly didn't even know they existed. But now, now we know it for sure. Um, but they announced a few more features. Of course, they have to stay competitive. And um, now we've already talked about how Spotify is adding some new features and yeah, stealing some ideas here and there from Tidal. You could say um, they are going to partner, or they're already partnered with Ticketmaster. And uh, in the article, it says ticketing features backed by Ticketmaster that gives subscribers early and exclusive access to concerts and music festival tickets. And 
of course it had to be Ticketmaster. Yeah. Um, I, th I, th I think you over there in the US, you have been directly influenced by Ticketmaster before. <laughs> over here, it's not that prominent. Um, we've, we've got our own Ticketmaster with a different name. <laughs> uh, though I'd always heard, and I need to verify it, that it's not so much that Ticketmaster is a bastard. That's apparently the word I use for anyone today is bastard. Um, But it's, they're happy to be the pinata in front of the yeah. venues and the, the other companies that are actually taking all these extra fees and, and whatever nonsense, you know, like paying $5 for the privilege of printing your own ticket because it's <laughs> a, con a convenience fee and just like other nonsense like that. Um, so maybe, I mean, maybe still hate Ticketmaster in spite of that. And they announced uh, a new pricing for college students. So just like Spotify, where you can, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm paying five euros and I think it, it was five uh, dollars in the US for a student. Um, they are also now charging five dollars for the standard and ten dollars for the lossless. So in effect, if you were, if most of what you listen to is on both Spotify and Tidal and you I don't know, maybe like Tidal's interface more, which isn't really that hard with Spotify. They've been destroying their UI through the last uh, one and a half years. <laughs> and then it's actually quite viable if you don't really need the lossless. Maybe that's something for you. So if it's really just that, um, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, a viable I'm, option. I'll just say I'm never going to buy a lossless music service for obvious reasons. Mm. And we'll have, we'll have a, another story about that later in our rundown. Um, one caveat to this rundown um, for today's show is we're recording before Apple's event. So everyone expects Apple to unveil a music service. So we'll just have to punt till next week to, if, if there's anything newsworthy to say about it. I assume there will be something. Um, yeah. And then the last piece of follow-up, you've got this SoundCloud account. Tell us about this. <laughs> yeah, somebody uh, posted the SoundCloud account that collects... Um, that collects covers of temporary secretary. I assume most of them are meant to be really trashy. I mean, the first one right now, which has been added two days ago with the tag real hip hop, trap morary secretary. <laughs> <laughs> And I really want to just fade in just a little bit of this right here. And underneath as a musical bat, not even stopping, but just, it sounds so funny. I mean, the song itself sounds so funny, but The way they've covered this, um, yeah, just wanted to shed a light on that. I also have to point out a few other ones on this. Um, I haven't really listened closely to them yet because I'm just looking at this, but um, <laughs> some of the other covers, like uh, Temporary Secretary, but with every stem replaced with horns found in the Final Fantasy VII soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Or Temporary Secretary in the key of Super Mario World. And so apparently there's just yeah. these chiptune versions and, left and, and right and temporary secretary bass boosted which is real <laughs> fun to listen to on bass heavy headphones <laughs> you gotta use your beats headphones though yep all right um so we'll get into it now with our episode um as always uh if you're if you're new to bits and pieces uh matt and i are both practicing musicians And uh, we also like listening to music, so we, we try to find angles to talk about this periodically. And uh, one of the things that comes up is Gig Report, which is when we go to or perform a show. And we've got two of them today. So first off, um, 
Matt, you were able to see a band that I interviewed. I think this is a an improvement on our degrees of separation than before. <laughs> Just um, a little bit. Yeah. Except for the, the few things that we've uh, sent send each other like physical things yeah that that it does really decrease the degree of separation there yeah um yeah so i met the still tight um actually they they played pretty close to to lars's home so i could walk there in 10 minutes um originally it was the plan to to drive to Göttingen, which is pretty far from me not that far from me i mean uh with your standards uh where you have to drive <laughs> days to see another city um But uh, yeah, I showed up. I actually thought I was running late, but they hadn't begun yet. And the venue was pretty empty. So we got to, to talk a little bit and they were pretty surprised. They didn't really remember it that much until I introduced myself and they were quite happy. And um, as soon as they began playing, the whole venue filled up. So it was um, it was a kind of hipsterish uh, ice cave cafe and... Um, It was a nice location. I would play there as well. So the moment they started playing, everybody was moving in and I didn't even see people in front of it. They just, as if everybody who walked by just said, Oh, there's music. Let's go in there and sit down. And the crowd was very responsive to what, um, the, the things they played. Um, they described to me how the different audiences in, in, uh, like in, uh, D Denmark and France, they compared to German audience. They said that we as Germans know when to clap and when to be silent, which <laughs> I thought was, well, it wasn't that hard to do, but apparently, uh, it's something we do especially well. And, um, no, and, uh, after this, um, I have to also add that, um, They ran out of CDs to sell halfway through the tour or not, maybe not halfway, but during the tour. So they got Natalie Tate, uh, on a plane and she brought some, some CDs with them and actually joined them in the show as a guest artist because, uh, luckily in this venue, there was a piano in the corner. And, uh, so we also got to enjoy, um, one or two songs with, um, with Natalie Tate on the piano, which is, I'm going to say kind of a foreshadowing to my pick of the week this week. <laughs> just a little bit so if you'd like to check out uh the still tide we actually interviewed them on the pseudo show uh, i forget exactly which episode that was so let's uh episode 19 so if you go to sunriserobot.net slash pseudo show slash 19 uh you can check out that interview um recorded on a potato but it's still a good interview um <laughs> And then for our other gig report, um, Smoke and Honey, uh, the, the Sarah Brown and Andres Diaz d uh, folk duo that we heard uh, their single on last episode, um, we had our CD release. So I was on the drums, uh, the, the, again, the storm of soft brush hits. And uh, we had uh, Charles Mertens on upright bass and Adrian Short on violin. And it was a nice little uh, um, twee setup. And... Uh, The show was awesome. It, it was a great show. Um, one of the most fun I've had in a while. And, uh, it was just a combination of, um, people were there, a receptive audience, um, that, that was listening and, uh, paying attention and, and enjoying and, um, responding. And, uh, we didn't have to play at 1 a.m. And, uh, it was just a, I know Sarah has been working so hard the past couple months, you know, finishing her songs, pushing it through the recording process making CDs and I've had the privilege of helping out with all that stuff. And it's just satisfying to, to have that culmination show and then to have that show go well and feel good and feel like you played really well. And, uh, just tying that all together, um, is one of the best things as a musician. 
and there will be video from it and I'm not the one being tasked with editing it. So <laughs> I think it'll happen more quickly. Um, <laughs> dear listener, um, there's a Montropo CD release show that has 70 gigs of footage and I'm currently shipping it off to Matt so that he can try to edit some of it. Um, so on with the show. So we got some good news stories this, um, on the, uh, audio file alert, um, topic thread. Um, NPR put together an article called How Well Can You Hear? And, uh, it's, it's ostensibly to help you do some blind testing of compression versus lossless audio. And, um, yeah, this article is frustrating. <laughs> Because, yeah. um, mainly because like the way they did this is, yeah, they assembled three versions of some very common pop songs, like a Coldplay or a um, Katy Perry, or I, f- I forget some of the other ones. Um, Jay-Z. Yeah, and, Jay-Z. Uh, Neil Young. And, uh, the idea was you would click play and you would try to decide which one was lossless. And, uh, I got a six out of six on this. And the oh, reason is- you too. <laughs> The reason is not because I have golden ears and amazing hardware and I'm a discerning listener. Um, it's because whenever I would click play on the WAV file, it would take like an extra five or ten seconds to load. And then I'd be like, oh, that's the lossless one. And it turns out I was right. And this was just poetically perfect to me because... Uh, that's the whole idea of lossless is you gain nothing and you only are inconvenienced by this giant file. Yeah, I, I tried to, I mean, for me as well, it, uh, you always notice which one was the uncompressed through the loading times, but then still I tried to hear the difference. So even if it wasn't really a blind test anymore and there really was none, the only thing that really stuck out to me was <clears throat> for some reason the speed of sound gold play samples. The, let me see which ones there were. The wave version and the 320 kilobits version both were clipping to my ears while the 128 version wasn't. <laughs> and, uh, I don't, I don't know. Um, maybe they, they encoded them manually. So they always had to punch in the settings and maybe they messed up somewhere. So they didn't do this in, uh, some, somehow autom- automatically. But, um, that, it was kind of strange that that the lowest quality version wasn't clipping and especially normally if you if you encode something it shouldn't be clipping in the first place and i assume they encoded those uh, tracks from the wave file so if the wave file was clipping why wasn't the mp3 unless yeah. uh, some of the psychoacoustic treatments that happens with mp3 which isn't just poor data compression that's that's the reason why it's lossless because they actually remove some stuff that supposedly isn't audible to the, to the human ear maybe some of that clipping noise was actually uh, f- fell victim to the mp3 codec there yeah um so one of the uh, kind of Apple blogosphere people I follow is Marco Arment, and he develops a bunch of mobile apps. And uh, he uh, is kind of a headphone addict, and he loves reviewing headphones, and, and he, he cares about audio quality a lot. But he's not a stupid audiophile. Um, and so he, uh, <laughs> he, he reacted to the NPR article and kind of just, like, hating this test, hating the, the same, like things it's going to promote in the comment section, which if you go and read NPR's comment section, it is uh, pretty uh, annoying. Um, just people swearing they can hear the difference left and right, and I'm just like, you are lying. <laughs> um, so his uh, kind of crowning quote, and we'll link to his whole article, it's a good read, 
He says, I stand by my prior assertion that speakers and headphones matter a lot, amps matter a little, and cables, DACs, higher than 256 bit rates and higher than 4416 sample rates matter so little that almost no one can blindly detect differences between them. Allocate your budget accordingly. So that, that pretty much sums it up, I think. Yeah. So we will, we will return to that dead horse another time. <laughs> yeah. Just another point to about this um, NPR story. So let's say even if uh, if the loading time wasn't really a problem here that you could that yeah um, my idea in general was they should have really um, encoded those to MP3 and then saved them back as a WAV file so all the file sizes were the same so you couldn't really notice it from that point. But even then, um, there is a there's a bit of a problem with the sample size here is that you have six songs and with each of them you have a chance of one to two to choose the right one. So um, doing some basic calculation, it's more or less that if you got a thousand people doing this, a thousand audio files, there's going to be one who's going to be right just out of sheer luck. So there's always one person who's afterwards going to be very vocal about how he could or he or she could hear the difference because you got everything right. So um, I'd say you'd have to have at least, I don't know, 16 songs. And then then somebody could tell me that he could actually hear the difference. They should do a version of this where sometimes it's three MP3s. Sometimes there is a wave in the mix. Sometimes it's all uncompressed waves. And then you get people, and then people need to label every single song. Was this compressed or uncompressed? Right. And then see how audiophiles do then. Because <laughs> I feel like that would be a, a true test of like, not just are these better than each other, but like, can you actually tell? And, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, then you can't you can't be right by guess. Well, I mean, you could still be right by guessing, but but you couldn't easily compare anymore. Yeah, that that's the thing also. So I mean, if I get a garbage MP3, of course I could tell the the wave file. But if there's only one one type of quality that I can compare, it's going yeah. to be very hard unless you have objectively an absolute understanding of the quality. Yeah. Well, and I, like like if you had perfect pitch, of course I can tell uh, which note is which if I at first know that this one is a C and then I can yeah. tell the difference. Well, and then I saw in the comments some more caveats to to like weak in the position they're just like well people's ears get fatigued very quickly so you can only listen to like a few seconds at a time like what is the point of investing in millions of dollars of audio equipment if you believe that after 30 seconds your ears are tired and it doesn't matter like, yeah by the way I, li I like your annoying uh commenter voice that you choose whenever you quote somebody from the comments yeah it's a, it's a habit picked up in Grade school used to be like, people would be like, and then my mom was like, don't do that. And then we'd always be like, why is your mom's voice so deep? <laughs> and then we got some news about SoundCloud. We were talking about SoundCloud a few episodes back and about how I made some experiences that a lot of people there are just spammers in general. Um, but they, they made a licensing deal with over 20,000 independent labels. And if you ask yourself, how do you do that with so many labels? There's, um, this, this, um, group called, uh, Merlin, the global rights agency for independent labels. So more or less they, um, they did it for them. And, um, it, it all has to do with their subscription service with, I think we talked about, um, 
just as we were surprised that they actually had advertisements. So SoundCloud is kind of trying to innovate a little bit here and there and get more independent artists on there and just artists in general, because I mean, more or less, it's mostly a platform for some people who aren't that well known, at least on the, on the mainstream scale who use uh, SoundCloud. So they're trying to get more people. So even more listeners on there, because as I said, it's most of the people that I found on, on SoundCloud are just music producers themselves and they all have this one agenda of I want people to listen to my stuff. And um, maybe this yeah. is going to bring a few more just listeners, some pure listeners to, to SoundCloud. That's true. Which would be and a good thing. We've talked about that on one of our early episodes about social networks and music and kind of how toxic it, it can be to be in an environment where everyone's just yelling, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Yeah. And... uh yeah, I think that was our episode called like a hundred bands in a warehouse playing at the same time or something. Right. So, so it was a good title, but we we could link to that if for more discussion. But yeah, I I do hope that uh bringing in some of these uh labels might actually bring some listeners along for the ride and uh a little bit less, "Hey, like me back. Hey, follow me back." And you're just like, oh, "Yeah. Shut up." So Björk is back and she's innovating in an in a kind of way that Björk does. I mean, she's Björk. Um, the, she released a 3D, no, not 3D, a 360 degree music video. And um, I was kind of reminded of uh, the Google I.O. last week, was it? Um, mm -hmm. Where they talked about uh, the 3D vision that, not 3D vision, but I mean, they had 3D vision on YouTube anyway, but they're bringing like 360 degree videos. So you can either watch them with something like an Oculus Rift or in this case, as you just told me, you can pan around the video. Uh, I couldn't do that because I had to watch it through a proxy. Um, thanks to the lovely gamer again. And, um, so it's a video of her standing supposedly in Iceland somewhere on the shore and singing this song and there's Pretty much nothing else. She's just standing there in a yellow dress yeah. and throughout the video she starts multiplying. And that's it. So um at first I was thinking, okay, a Björk video in three sixty degrees, that's that's gotta be amazing, but it was kinda underwhelming. It was like they thought, okay, we got a three sixty degree camera. Um that's all we gotta do now. <laughs> yeah. Well and uh, I was kind of a Maybe it's unintuitive. I didn't realize, uh, I hadn't watched a 360 degree video on YouTube yet. So there's a control, a little, uh, plus pad in the top left and you got to click on it to actually look around the video. And I, I thought it, when I saw this topic that it just meant they used a 360 degree camera and that the video would display that in different ways. Um, but yeah. this is, um, this seems like someone should do something really interesting with this, more interesting than Bjork yeah. did. Um, um, just exploring, uh, user controlled or user interactive experiences. And, uh, I know, um, to, to kind of bring up in this genre, um, Arcade Fire has done some very interesting stuff over the years with, um, user interaction with their music videos. Um, I think most famously on their Suburbs album, they had the little mashup with Google Maps in their video. And so you'd put in your home address. And uh, the video would live generate using Street View, but also overlaid with their own stuff, um, like nostalgic journeys down your home street um, matched with the lyrics. And it was just kind of a very modern thing, very uh, kind of felt kind of new for a music video. That was actually that was actually my first exposure to to Arcade Fire. 
used we used to wait that that we used to wait yeah so um I just remember that um, Muse actually once, um, are they, you can still find it on the internet. We're going to put, uh, pull it in the show notes. Um, they filmed a concert at the Wembley Stadium and six, uh, 360 degrees where you can switch cameras and with each camera you can look around. And it's kind of amazing. Um, it, it is a little bit low quality because I think when they in HD video wasn't a thing so much like it is today. When they release it, and I mean, it's gotta be a huge chunk of data, but uh, it's it's fun to play around with it a little bit, and especially if you want to see how they play some licks on their guitars, it's fun to fun to look at. Yeah, um, we got a couple more topics here today. Um, Google Music has this uh, insights page. Well, it's on their YouTube site. Um, well, I know Google's in the middle of rebranding, and like, don't they have some like music key access thing? Yeah, and, still um, not really unveiled. Uh, unveiled. Uh, um, I, don't I have know. a. I I like Google's music, like uh, music.google.com, but they need to get their sort of act in order in terms of having like five different products with eight different names. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's not the point of this. Um, they have this music insights um, where basically you can type in a famous artist name, and then you can see you know where are their fans. Uh, how popular are they in each country? Kind of a public mm. view of some of the analytics associated um, with their fan base. So, who did you search? Uh, I just searched Jay Z, just because he he was in my head because of this whole title thing. Um, but the way it, I I first um, heard about this, or it was kind of sold to me as like um, when if you're just an artist, you can now get some some more analytics. And the thing is, if you have a YouTube channel, you can already get analytics. I, I don't I don't really know what's what they are just now adding to this. And just looking at Jay-Z's uh, stats here, okay, I've got his total views. You can see that on his YouTube page. But what you can actually see here, as you just told, is the cities and countries where he's uh, most popular. And um, yeah, you, you also get that with analytics, with the regular old YouTube analytics. But still something that, as I said before in another show uh soundcloud is still hiding behind a uh a paid um model for their yeah. for their accounts so but yeah i was actually hoping that i could google my or just enter my own band names but they didn't find anything although i got some statistics at least on my google uh, on my youtube account yeah yeah it seems like for now this is a uh, built for only searching giant popular artists yeah well Let's see if it changes <laughs> at some point and we can actually see why there are people in Japan listening to us. That's right. Um, looking at our Sunrise Robot analytics, there's like a good, what was it, 10%, 8%? Yeah, like it's a very that. noticeable percentage of Japanese listeners. Um, so if, if it's bits and pieces you're listening to, please reach out, talk to us. <laughs> Where are you in Japan? <laughs> And then we have this uh, this thing here, which, um, as somebody on Reddit put it, this is gimmicky as fuck. So uh, <laughs> somebody built a MIDI guitar controller for acoustic guitar. It's wireless. This is a big point. And it's like you have some trigger pads on your acoustic guitar and you can yeah put anything you want on it because it's just a MIDI controller. You can 
anything anything works so um midi that that's the beauty of midi you can control anything with any kind of surface if if it works for you then it's great and uh so this guy put a lot of drum sounds and some synth controllers and envelope followers on his acoustic guitar it doesn't sound that bad but i have to admit just as this reddit says uh reddit comment says it's gimmicky as fuck and <laughs> i'm especially skeptical of anything that's wireless when it comes to latency yeah um in the video like it's it's a well-performed song in the video like he, he does a really great job and um it it's technically impressive what he's doing even if i don't really like yeah. what he's playing yeah um but my complaint is i don't really i don't like this mix with an acoustic like i would want this on an electric guitar i wouldn't want this on an right. acoustic guitar maybe that's just my own preference but yeah. I, I assume it's it. It, they focused on acoustic guitar because um, the shape of an acoustic guitar they, they aren't as varied uh, as yeah there isn't such a uh, variety as with electric guitars and yeah. uh, then they, you have the problem of the um, of the bridge and and all that I don't know in the acoustic guitar yeah. it's probably simpler to 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 work with that but yeah I'm I'm really skeptical that if you hit this pad if it actually in that very moment going to perfectly send out the signal because um, yeah. Yeah. So far, if it's something like Bluetooth, you, you you don't even have to think about it. Bluetooth. Doesn't is is way too slow for this kind of stuff. Yeah, someone's got to come out with a some kind of wireless spec for super super low latency. I mean, I guess. I mean, we've used like, like what do they use for wireless receivers for mics and guitars? And regular old radio signals. I yeah, think. that's what I thought. It's just RF, but um, yeah. It's all analog. It seems like that's the kind of thing you'd have to do for right. I don't know. I'm not I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor either. If you're a scientist, please reach out to us on Twitter <laughs> at Ecolox and at Madwoods Music. If you're a Japanese scientist, please reach out. <laughs> um for our last big topic before our picks of the week, we've got a music video game. So um what's got this on your mind today? This came to my mind because um, I tried out the demo of AudioSurf 2 the other day. And um, I kind of have an, uh, a love-hate relationship with AudioSurf, with the game. So if you're not familiar with this game, um, you're kind of controlling this, this little spaceship that's going along a route. And you've got three lanes, or in some modes you've got five lanes, although the, the outer ones aren't really used. You can only, yeah, you can go there, but there's nothing happening there. And the route is based on the song you throw throw at this game. So um, if it's a, a very intense song, you go a lot. Of, uh, there's a lot of going downhill, and it's very speedy. And if it's a slow song, it's mostly going uphill. Everything's blue, like colder colors. Based on the mode, you ha either have to collect little blocks, or if you have to avoid blocks, or just any, anything you can do with it. And um, yeah, try out audio surf too. And the reason I have an, uh, a love-hate relationship with this game is that it's kind of fun to play. It's always nice if I if I want to go back to listen to some music. It's always a different experience, even if I throw my own songs at it. It's, it's a different experience because you you're um, everything is happening rhythmically and everything's lighting up rhythm rhythmically. It's just an, like an automated music video, so to say. Um, the reason I don't like it that much is um for me it isn't really a 
it, it is a music video game, but I kind of categorize them as passive and active music video games. And this one is like, uh, it's just passive. It's okay. We've generated this route based on the song, but the song doesn't really matter at that moment anymore for the gameplay itself. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it makes a good backdrop. It makes a great atmosphere, but it isn't the whole focus of the game. Although they, that's what, of course, everybody tells you with audio stuff, it's about the music. But for me, I gotta say, it's really not that much about the music. Yeah. There. It's more like an infinite runner with some music behind it. Right. And you choose the music and then it's, uh, synced up. But that's where, that's where it stops for me. Yeah. And uh, so I kind of noted down which kind of music uh, video games I know or I've played and put them into these categories of passive and active. And I think we can start with passive because you've also added some to this. Yeah, I wasn't thinking too hard about whether it was passive or active, so I might have miscategorized some of these. But um, I'll, I'll be honest and say I haven't played a ton of music games. I mean, other than like Guitar Hero and Rock Band, and I probably played Parappa the Rappo like, you know, 20 years ago once. Um and pro I think I had Samba de Amigo, but it was the Wii version, which is laggy and stupid. Um, it wasn't the, like, the true Maraca controllers that they put out with the Dreamcast version. And, uh, I have to say, I, I don't really like music games usually. I almost never like them. I do like rock band playing with friends because I like playing music with friends, but, um, <laughs> I, I do like the, the very skill, the very active skill, almost memory reaction aspect of them. Um, because I think just being a musician, that's kind of what you're good at is memorizing yeah. patterns and playing them correctly. And so it's really <laughs> satisfying in a game because games are designed so well to make you feel good for succeeding. You know, whether it's the, the pleasing noises, pleasing graphics that kind of accompany that. Um, and, you know, in Guitar Hero, when you nail the, the, the line and then it like electrifies your, your fretboard and you're like, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, these passive ones. And I mean, I think one of the first ones on the list is Space Channel 5. That game is just weird as hell. Um, and it, it was, I mean, Sega and they're, and they're at their best are weird as hell. And uh, we haven't really seen good Sega for over a decade now, sadly, but, um, that was back before the Dreamcast died and they were creating all these fantastically wildly weird games. And, uh, Space Channel 5 is like, it looks like, uh, some kind of like J-pop music video or something in sci-fi mode. And you're on a space station, like you're dancing around with this entourage. Like, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know if I have much to say about music video games other than I, I don't like them very much, but what are some of your favorites or, or if you want to go through this list you made? Um, yeah. So if we stay in this passive category, um, I liked to dance. I, I like to play dance dance revolution. I actually had a dance mat at home. Um, my, the, the person living under, under uh, the floor beneath us wasn't really happy about that, I guess. Um, but it, it was fun activity and, um, also, Dance Dance Revolution also, uh, always had a mix of, at least here in Europe, their version had a mix of very, very special Japanese music and uh, J-pop, the, the craziest J-pop you can imagine, but also some, some, um, yeah, Eurodance thrown in between something like uh, Word Up by Cameo and uh, known so uh, yeah, songs that my parents knew. Let's let's <laughs> like that. And it was always fun to play, but I never get had the chance to actually play it at an arcade with a with a um at an actually arcade machine which um 
I guess are built a little bit better and more responsive. I've seen some crazy dance videos of this yeah. game. So if you really want to be perfect, that dance mat wasn't for you. You've got to be at the, at the arcade. And, um, yeah, jumping to, to, to the active category there. I mean, it, it also, for me, um, my biggest influence there was the game Frequency, which is, um, kind of the predecessor to, um, to Guitar Hero, actually, which is uh, the, the same company, my uh, harmonics. And I gotta say that Frequency actually has a big, it had, it had a big impact on me even getting back into music. So I was playing keyboard as a child until I'm like age 10 and then I stopped doing music completely until right, I don't know, when I was turning 14, yeah, about that time, uh, I, I discovered Frequency and it got me back into the game because it actually is an active game. You have those like six tracks or six to eight tracks of the song laid out in front of you, like the drums, the guitar, bass and all that. And you just as similarly as I described in audio surf, you, you fly down there with a, with a, something like a spaceship and you hit the notes in the, in the right time. And the thing is that if you don't hit them at the right time, the music doesn't just doesn't play. So you're actually building up the song each and every track. So you actually learn how the, the mix is uh, produced, how each and every instruments what what they do and um th there was a game before that which is called beatmania and a whole series of games um and i also had the controller to this so you had a controller with five little keyboard buttons and a turntable that you can actually spin and uh it was more electronic music that you could produce with that but also there if you didn't hit the notes the music just wasn't happening which is for me more or less the most important thing for a music video game if i if i do something wrong i want to be yeah, I actually want to be punished in the sense that the music should behave differently. And if I'm doing everything right, I want everything to sound right. And um, that's kind of, for me, what's, satisfy what's satisfying about a good music video game. Yeah, absolutely. All right, shall we pick up the week? We shall, and I think you should go first this week. All right. As I told before, um, as I saw the still tight, they threw in a a few songs with Natalie Tate on the piano and vocals and one of the songs is actually by Natalie Tate herself and this is my pick of the week True North by Natalie Tate um, and uh, since I already talked a lot about um, the Still Tight concert and the whole atmosphere I'm just gonna play this short sample right here For everybody who knows me or even knows you, both of us, we're pretty much suckers for e-pianos and yeah. uh, Berlitzes and uh, Rhodes and all of that. And this is the perfect song in that regard for us. <laughs> yeah. But especially what I what I really like most about the song is the ending. And um, there, there's these lines that she's repeating. At first, they're a little more spaced out. And then in the end, she, she compresses them. And there's a canon going on where the background singers start uh, doing it, uh, singing the same lines a little, uh, yeah, a little delayed. And it's just a pleasure to listen to. Yeah. And I have to point out, um, so this video, which we'll include in the show notes of a live recording of them performing True North, um, in the video are several 
iconic people in Denver's music scene that that I know. Um, on drumming for Natalie in this video is Carl Sorensen, who drummed on Montropo's album and has played with us. Um, I, I saw David and Chris from Chimney Choir, who were also interviewed on the Pseudo Show. So maybe it just shows how small of a world that the Denver music scene is, but we're all very connected. Uh, also, I believe, uh, although it's kind of blurred out because of the depth of field, uh, I think it was Anna Morissette actually on the bass in the background. Yeah, definitely. She was she was in there from the still tide. So uh, we're we're a very friendly scene. Uh, once you once you get in there and start meeting people, uh, we'll we'll play on each other's stuff all the time. But if you're it's not great. in there, we're not friendly. Yeah. <laughs> But who are you, stranger? Get out of here. Um, yeah, this is a lovely song. So definitely check that out. And uh, um, I don't think this one's going to be on Spotify unless Natalie's put out her this on an album. So you'll have to check it out via direct link. So what was your pick of the week? So for my pick of the week, I uh, you know, since I'm reaching, you know, in a couple years now, I'll be that age where I stop listening to new music. Um, I decided to get a head start and pick something old. Um, so this is, uh, this song's about probably 13, 14 years old. So I was like finishing high school when, um, this came out. And, uh, this is a, a song called Priests and Paramedics by Pedro the Lion. And, uh, this was in an era where Dave Bazan, the guy in, in Pedro the Lion, he started writing story albums. So every single album uh, really told a story across all the tracks. And it wasn't so much like it was like a full-on concept album where there's like voice actors or weird... Like it didn't like go like full concept territory. But um, the lyric, it's very lyric-driven. and uh, But he still writes very, very pretty songs. And so um, maybe we can just uh, take a, a moment and listen to some Priests and Paramedics. This is a great song. I, I like this song a lot, and it's mostly because of a uh, his style. Once you get into it, it's it's very straightforward. He's very simplistic with his parts. He um he has very simple drum beats in almost everything he does, and they're usually very confident and sound good, but they're very simple. Um, but my favorite thing about this song has to be the the contextual leap between the end of the first chorus and the beginning of the second verse so as as you're as the song goes on you're you're just it's described that the neighbors heard some kind of fight happening um it seems that the husband was stabbed by the wife and uh, paramedics have shown up to take him to the hospital and at the end of the first chorus he's kind of screaming like am i gonna die oh my god oh my god and the paramedic has to just put a poker face and say you're gonna be fine calm down you'll be all right and so the and then the second verse begins and it just says several friends came to his grave (laughs) it's just like cuts (laughs) straight to funeral (laughs) um just that smash cut of like buddy just calm down you'll be all right JK, you're dead. <laughs> so I've always enjoyed that 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 lyrical leap there. So what did you make of this song? Um, I also, for me, stuck... Uh, no, 
also for me this this very straightforward delivery stuck out rhythmically on the drums but also on the guitars and uh, you, you shared with me before that an, another song by by Pedro the Lion and also there I discovered the same thing that there's a lot of with the bass eight notes going on and the same thing with the guitar so rhythmically as you said it's very simplistic but also so it, it just fits to the to the delivery it's just a, a, the scheme that goes through there it works it doesn't have to be complex and especially in that case and um what i'd noticed um was also that um although everything the, the the rhythm was so simple that sometimes the vocals they 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 swayed out a little bit and there was some strange emphasis and pauses going on which reminded me of the first few lyrics that i had written back in the days where my meter was all over the place because i didn't know how to phrase stuff and english wasn't my wasn't a native language anyway so um it, it kind of stuck out to me um i i must assume that of course he's doing it deliberately if you're doing something like this you <laughs> You, you notice that and he has to say either he did it from from the get-go or he just practiced the song and said yeah. hey I, i'm gonna stuck with uh, stay with this but uh that's the the, the only place where rhythmically there was something very special happening and it sounded very strange at some point <laughs> well whether it's uh, intentional or not i will say he's pretty consistent in that that um that's he, true the the words he wants to sing take precedence over how it fits rhythmically in the part. Right. So if he has to extend a line a little beyond or, you know, whatever he has to do to, to say the way he wants to say it, um, I think he yeah. gives precedence to the lyrics. Um, yeah, with, with varying results. Um, yeah, he's an interesting guy. The other thing I'd say about Dave Bazan is uh, his voice always sounds like he's exhausted, like he's like yeah. about to fall asleep <laughs> or something. And uh, it was always kind of a running joke with uh, me and my friends who liked Pedro the Lion, just like, just like, oh my God, I'm so tired. <laughs> just like every song was, I'm exhausted. <laughs> So as always, uh, when possible, we throw these songs into our Spotify playlist and you should definitely follow that playlist. Um, you'll find a link in our show notes. And uh, I think that's all our topics today. So Matt, you want to take us out? As always, you can find the show notes on sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 19. And while you're there, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to us with your favorite podcatcher on the I on iOS. You can just use the regular podcast app that Apple gives you. But there's also another app that you like to use. Yeah, Overcast. Look it up. It's good. And on Android, you can use something like Podcast Addict, for example. And um, you can also, as we've mentioned throughout the show, give us feedback on Twitter at Echolox and at Metwoods Music. Um, you can become a patron on Patreon and help us out. The whole network is going to be very excited if you help us out. And um, depending on the, the level of support you give, you will actually get a shout out on one or more of our shows. And with that, thanks to Bruce Edwards and Andreas Lange. So see you next week. Bye.